Welcome to episode 50 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre, featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, stage managers, and more. If you'd like to be a guest on Stageworthy or you just want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like the podcast, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use and consider leaving a comment or rating. Victoria LaBerge is an arts administrator with her fingers in many pies. She's director of development for Nightwood Theatre, co-producer of the monthly storytelling series Confabulation, and publicist for Sex T-Rex. with Sex T-Rex as their publicist? Well, I first met them at the Fringe, of course, at Montreal uh-huh. Fringe, and so we were just, we just became pals, Yeah. and I was just a big fangirl, <laughs> and uh, they approached me originally to produce their run when, at the Storefront Theatre uh-huh. in March, Okay. Um, but I was a little bit too swamped, but I, I did want to help, and so I, I came on board and said, how about I just help at least try and get some media out and try and get yeah. you guys some reviews? I have like a few contacts from here, mostly in Montreal though, but from when I was, mm-hmm. uh, when I ran Bloody Underrated, the mm-hmm. arts and culture blog in Montreal. Um, so yeah, I called in a couple favors and just sent, sent lots of emails and yeah. you just need, like, I, I, what I love about working with them is being able to let them make the art and, and do, mm-hmm. do that, focus on that. And they're so, so good at it and they're yeah. so funny. Uh, so it's really heartwarming for me to be able to give them some extra time to work on that if it means that I can just spend a couple hours on Twitter, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, publicity is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that when you start making theater, it's like, oh, I can do all this stuff. Oh, wait, I have to talk mm-hmm. about it too. Exactly. Oh, you have to get those bums in those seats. And that's yeah. the part. That's the part that people just don't yeah. know. Like I never, I still, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> make people into seats. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Well, so, that's it. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really consider myself an artist. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, it would terrify me to mm-hmm. like have to create a fringe show as you guys do, <laughs> and then put it up on stage yeah. and. Yeah, that's the part that's scary to me. <laughs> but you've, I mean, you obviously, you have um, a passion for theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been, I mean, you worked, how long did you work at for Montreal Fringe? Montreal Fringe, I was on staff for a couple years, and then just kept, kept being around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there every year, even if I don't live there anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, where did you find the, the passion for, for theater? It was at the Montreal Fringe, okay. definitely. Yeah. How did, you, I, how did you get introduced to the Montreal Fringe? I uh, graduated. <laughs> announcement about a, a bicycle. <laughs> so go ahead. So when I first graduated uh, with my bachelor's of fine arts in art history from mm-hmm. Concordia, I uh, the day that I submitted my final essay and essentially graduated I like had a panic attack and <laughs> what am I going to do with my life I have no idea where, where I'm going from here mm. you know everything was just leading to get that degree yeah. and then then what you know 
Um, and I had had this email sitting in my inbox from the Montreal Fringe just calling out, uh, looking for interns. Mm -hmm. And so I had no other prospects on the go, and so I decided to go for it. And I had only heard of the Fringe, but I had never been. Uh, and yeah, they took me on, and I just fell in love. That that community welcomed me with open arms. They're like this big family, mm -hmm. and anybody's welcome and it's so so lovely and beautiful um and so that's why I, i'm still a, a diehard supporter and yeah. i like do everything i can to try and send people to the fringe all the time because yeah it's my favorite time of what year. were you majoring in when you were at university art history, art history. yeah but like visual art so <clears throat> it was, okay it was a little, little bit of a leap uh I, I had never worked in theater before or um i, I had I'd done a little bit of theater like as a you know uh -huh. as a young kid but yeah so I always, I always had that passion for it. And mm. then, yeah. And then, what, what, what did they have you doing when you were an intern for them for so long? At first, I was just a general intern, but they promoted me to assistant, uh, assistant to the communications mm -hmm. manager. Uh, yeah. So actually, yeah, I guess that's where I got like my publicity <laughs> started. So what did you do as the assistant to the to, to the communications? I manager? did a lot of photocopying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were always we were supposed to uh, put the, together these. Uh, archives of all the reviews that each, okay. each troop had gotten. So when they came for their the company, came for the last payout, we would hand them this nice little folder of oh. all the reviews they got. That's great. Yeah. Do they still do that? I don't know. Oh. Do they not? I, I don't, don't know. know. I've been <laughs> it's actually been like almost five years since wow, I've been that's, Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where you and I met. The, yeah. the next year, they uh, they hired me as the artist liaison. Yeah. And that's when we met. Yeah. It was, I mean, as artist liaison, I don't know how we oh, would have like done yeah. like without an artist liaison. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, that is the best job in I don't the world. know if, if a lot of fringes have an artist liaison. I yeah, think I that wonder about Montreal that. Montreal is kind of unique that way. Yeah. I wonder about that. So does that mean... Like, if, for example, Hamilton Fringe, which yeah. you just came and you were yeah. very successful. Congratulations. Thank you. So who do you, who are you in touch with if you need to be in touch with someone? Um, general manager or <laughs> yeah. artistic director or it depends what you need. It depends, yeah. Like, but there was no Yeah, it's true. Toronto person. Fringe, it's true. Toronto Fringe, yeah. they they'll always like, yeah, I guess you, yeah, I guess you're in touch with the general manager. Yeah, but you just and don't you know, have, you don't have, there isn't a, a liaison who you can go to to say, what do we do for yeah. this? Like, there's nobody to sort of, like, help you. Which is... I mean, Montreal, I think it it, it, it sort of uh, is a sign of how welcoming the Montreal Fringe is, that they have somebody who's there to help sort of guide you into mm, the Montreal Fringe, yeah. which is uh, something that a lot of the fringes don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some of the, the ones that have been there a long, long time also don't have that, you know? yeah. Yeah, the Montreal Fringe is so warm. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's the. I mean, I mean, it's the party fringe mm -hmm. too. I think a lot of artists yes. say they don't make money, but yeah, I know you'll have a, people have a good that. time. That's, that's <laughs> generally, what I hear, what people say is, yeah, it won't make a lot of money, yeah. but I'm gonna have a great time. Yeah. And I think that's that is part of why some people make that their first stop. Definitely. Like to you know have a, a party to celebrate starting the yeah. uh, the big journey. Definitely. Um, so. In addition to, so from Fringe, uh, and you were the artist liaison for that, that second year, um, where did you go from, from there? So from there, I was, I had a couple of different contracts. One was at the English Language Arts Network, yeah. which is this really cool organization, but it was just a short-term contract. Um, I stayed on a little bit as a 
the assistant to the artistic director of Mainline at the time, Jeremy uh -huh. Heckman, um, but, and then helped out in the office at Mainline a little bit. But uh, I got my first big girl job <laughs> at Centaur Theatre uh -huh. um, in their fundraising department, mm -hmm. so at their, as their development assistant. And uh, that's where I learned the fundraising skills that I, I use now at Nightwood Theatre here in Toronto. So fundraising skills, this is one of those things that, 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 in addition to publicity, it's another thing that a lot of people in, in uh, indie theatre don't have. Like if you start thinking about creating your own mm -hmm. show, two things you probably don't know anything about is telling people about your show <laughs> and making, getting money for your show. Yeah. How, did, how did you learn how to separate money from people? They're not separate at all. I would say no, that No, I mean like getting I mean, money from the people. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, so I, I do... But that's the thing. That's what's cool about, about development is mm. that it's all about your relationship to people. Mm. So they're not going to donate to you if they don't support your cause mm -hmm. and support what you do. So, yeah, you really it is all very intertwined. And that's why I'm very interested in the relationship, actually, between mm -hmm. development and marketing. Because you have to be able to sell what you're trying to what mm -hmm. you're trying to get them to buy into either whether it's tickets or a donation or right. you know supporting you with their time if they're a volunteer or um yeah so i mean i i learned i learned a lot from centaur like mm -hmm. they, it's a very well oiled, oiled machine and they, they're a 40 somewhat year old company mm -hmm. and yeah. big big huge organization so they know what they're doing and they like they've got mm -hmm. their systems in place and they write letters to kind of the same group of people every year and that gets them the same donations every year mm -hmm. and they don't really need to switch anything up to mm -hmm. make it work it, it, it works you know mm -hmm. um at, at nightwood it's also a, it's a 37 year old company but it's a much smaller scale mm -hmm. and so it's more it's much more there's a lot of more innovation we're always coming up with new and exciting mm -hmm. things to roll out new programs to be able to get people interested and bring more and more people on board uh whether it's donors mm -hmm. or participants to new programs that we mm -hmm. roll out or yeah um, is there do you find there's more of a, a, a challenge at nightwood than there was at centaur which has like the same thing and they just have their process and at nightwood yeah i mean it, my roles are very different too mm -hmm. at, at centaur i was the assistant to the development director whereas i am the director of development mm -hmm. here at nightwood uh, and so, and I'm only part time. There's, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a very small staff, and it's, the marketing director is also part time. So you know, try and it, it is much more challenging, yeah, mm -hmm. to try and get all that work done that we need uh, in limited yeah. resources. Yeah. So what did what brought you from Montreal to Toronto? Adventure. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in Montreal, mm -hmm. but. Uh, so I'd only ever lived there my whole life, mm -hmm. and uh, I had my a good friend that I also met Montreal Fringe when I was artist liaison. His name's Chris, and he he has lived in Toronto, and he had a room open up that mm -hmm. was cheap in his house, and texted me about it, and I said yes, <laughs> yeah, I want it. <laughs> so there was you didn't you hadn't planned on it. You were just like um, I had been thinking about it, just yeah. like my my previous trips to Toronto. They were getting more and more frequent mm -hmm. on the mega. Just hop on the mega bus and yeah. like spend the weekend with pals and. Uh, there's always so much going on here. I had come a lot when I was doing Bloody Underrated. I had right. come a lot for the Toronto Sketch Fest and Toronto Fringe, mm -hmm. just to just to hang out. And I always had such a great time here. Mm -hmm. um, so I had been thinking about it. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the city is so huge. Where forcibly the art scene is much much bigger as well. There's 
so much there's going a, on. Yeah, there's it's a crazy. lot. <laughs> but I, I, to, to my mind, the, the theater scenes are very different mm -hmm. in each place. Re taking away the fact that 50% of the theater in, in Montreal is in French, mm -hmm. or I don't know if it's 50%. Yeah, about that, yeah. Um, taking, even taking that away, I think that I get the feeling like the scenes are very different. Yeah, how, what, why, uh, why would you say that? Well, <laughs> see, the thing is that as, as somebody from Toronto and, and going to Montreal, I feel like art is just a thing that people have. Like, it's, it is every day. It is not like, not necessarily an event. It is important and it is something that that part of mm -hmm. life. Whereas I find the English Canada and especially the Toronto thing is that for the average person, art is something that they encounter either accidentally or because they uh, spent a lot of money to mm. see the art and it's not something they see as something that's important. Now I might be completely mm. wrong about those perceptions. But no, yeah, I think that that's yeah, I think that's accurate. And and even even among the arts community. I feel like there's much more business sense in Toronto. Mm. You, you know, you, yeah. I mean, you're, like I think even the artists here do have a really good sense of like needing to get bums and seats and mm -hmm. needing to get donations in yeah. to fund their art. Yeah, yeah, a lot of money talk here in Toronto for sure. Well, I mean, it's it's expensive to make theater. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, some of the grants don't come here. Yeah. Like the Ontario Arts Council is like part of their mandate is not Toronto. Mm. You know, it's like if you're an artist trying to get to get money and you live in Toronto, you're at a disadvantage mm. for the most part. So you're trying to because space is at a premium and renting a, a, a theater space yeah. is difficult. We have we end up thinking about money a lot and how to get it and how to make. Yeah, thing absolutely. Work. Is are there are the spaces just cheaper in Montreal that people don't have to worry about that so I much? Suppose so yeah, if you think of main, I mean, I always think of Mainline mm. and a little independent theater company, and they charge about ten dollars an hour mm. in their little mini main space. Mm. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess, and there's a, a big independent theater scene there mm. too. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with with Amy um, before Montreal Fringe, and she was talking about the explosion of spaces along Saint Laurent mm. um, with Mainline being the first and now there are more spaces that are produced that are where where art can happen, where theater can happen along that along that street. It's amazing to think that, you know, the one space sort of spawned mm. another space and spawned another space and it can work like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean it makes sense. Saint Laurent is the main. Mm -hmm. It's like such a hub of the city. So yeah, it would make absolute sense for them to yeah. congregate there. I think it, I, I would love to see that in an independent scene mm -hmm. here. Well, I mean, we have like I mean, I'm not always at Bad Dog mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, and you have Comedy Bar just down the street, mm -hmm. and then Storefront Theater just mm -hmm. down the street from there. Yeah, it's a good little area. It there. is a good little area. I would <laughs> love to see another. Like I love I love Storefront. I don't see enough there. Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to see like one or two others, like theater spaces, not just comedy spaces, but theater spaces yeah. along that area, just to. Um, I would love to see a, a I think it would be amazing to see a, an indie 
street in, yeah. in, in, yeah. in, in the city. It would be, be amazing. Yeah. Be really awesome. Yeah. But it, yeah, as you say, it's like, it's expensive here. Like, you know, mm-hmm. unit 102 just had to, although that was like, that was condos. Yeah. They kicked them out because of, because I mean, they're going to build condos there instead. It's but I mean, that, I mean, that literally that is, that is the, the problem with space in Toronto yeah. is that you can get more by knocking a building down mm-hmm. and, and, and putting condos there. I mean, let's let I mean for a while that was the plan for the Princess of Wales. Really? Mervish, the like there that were going to be three condos and to do that they were going to knock down the Princess of Wales theater. Wow. Now of course wow. the city was like enough people were like no we're not yeah. doing that and the city was like no do two condos. Okay. Like, so the Princess of Wales is not being knocked down but that like it becomes more economically viable to put in a condo than to keep wow. the space going. That's so sad. But people got to live somewhere too, right? They do, <laughs> they do but I, I, again, I, I'm not convinced that we are not saturated. Yeah, right. Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. I, I have my doubts that all those condos are, oh, yes, you know, yeah. necessary Definitely. or that, that we have the, like, we are not hurting for condo space mm-hmm. in this city. Definitely, yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't even know what, what Unit 102 is, is going to do. I don't know either, actually, because they... They said that they would still, they're still mounting their first show that they had mm. planned for that season. I'm so bummed about that though because Sex Jerex was going to remount Leviathan oh. in February 2017. I was really pumped for that. Such a good show. Is there, do they, do they know, like obviously, I mean, yeah, it's so hard because, you know, yeah. no. when, if you lose a space yeah. in this city, you're yeah. struggling to find another space. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I didn't really have like the producer perspective mm. uh, for that, but that's exactly what Caitlin was saying. Like now that they lost their space, they pretty much can't do it this season. They uh, want still want to do yeah. it, but it'll have to be a much later date to get them. Yeah, yeah that sucks. be able to get a venue. Yeah, it does suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so can we talk Nightwood? Yes, please. I love. Yeah, tell, tell me, tell me, tell me for for people who don't know, yeah. what is Nightwood? Nightwood is Canada's oldest professional women's theater company, so we're the flagship feminist theater of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we mean by that is just that we try and elevate women's voices. So Mm -hmm. all of our administrative staff is all women, Mm -hmm. um, which there are few, a lot of very few female ADs in the city, Mm -hmm. which is very impressive. Uh, And all the plays that we put on are generally written by women. Uh, not necessarily all starring women, but um, mostly directed by women as mm. well. Yeah, uh, and the usually the plays that we choose also have a very staunch like feminist mm-hmm. I- issues angle. <laughs> yeah, this season is so stellar. It's going to be amazing. We have we're starting off with a double bill, uh, two pieces called Mouthpiece, which mm-hmm. was won a couple of Dora Awards. It was it was on last season. It's the uh, a two hander. And there's some acapella, and there's mm-hmm. some movement, and it's just gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. really stunning. And then the other part of that double bill is called Quiver. It's by Anna Chatterton. She okay. was our playwright in residence last season, and she's brilliant and hilarious. And she's kind of armed with a loop pedal and all this technical mumbo-jumbo where she just embodies to all these characters mm-hmm. and has this really rich story that she tells all by herself on this one little stage. Huh. And it's, yeah. It's going to be really spectacular. Can we talk about the importance of, of elevating women's voices? I mean, when you think about most of the theater companies, in, especially the, the, the established companies 
in Toronto which have a performance space or have whatever, they are predominantly run by men. Mm-hmm. In, in Canada, work. too. Yeah, exactly. Not just Toronto, yeah. Producing work by men. Mm-hmm. Um, starring predominantly men. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, as much as there is a conversation and an ongoing conversation that I, 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 that I keep hearing going on, in those in those groups outside of Nightwood, there isn't a whole lot of movement. I don't see a lot of change for the most part, except with a couple of uh, uh, exceptions. But that, but that makes Nightwood even more important mm-hmm. to to the Canadian theater scene as a place that that is specifically concentrating on on women's voices. Yeah, yeah. I would say that there, it's it's very feminism is very prevalent in the zeitgeist right now. Right. Mm-hmm. In, in, I mean in in yours or my Facebook feed, right? Mm-hmm. All our friends are very feminist and mm-hmm. and aren't afraid to speak up when there's something that's not feminist. That's right. Uh, but when you step outside of our community, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The, the, like, there's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and so, especially like in the indie community, I think that there is a lot of rise yes. and there's a lot of women who are just killing it, just mm-hmm. rocking it. Yeah. Um, but as a, a professional women's theater company, you know, we have a chance to make a, a lot more waves. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because you talk about stepping outside of you know our immediate community, and I mean, any woman on Twitter finds at a certain point uh, that using the word feminist mm-hmm. ends up it's with get a you. certain amount. Yeah, um, and that is. It is unfortunately part of the world that we live yeah. in that there are people out there who gravitate towards that word and are so threatened mm-hmm. by the idea of women's voices that they have to uh, shut it down yeah. in some way. Does does Nightwood experience that uh, in any way? Because you use you use feminism as a like very casually mm-hmm. in the way that you're talking about it. And the fact that you're a women's professional theater group or company, feminism is just a part of it. Mm. Do you do you find that 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 area of the world attempts to influence Nightwood at all? You know, it's so interesting. We had this is a very recent phenomenon that mm. we're we're using the word feminist. Okay, um, because there were almost very recently. I mean, I've only been on staff for less than two years, mm. but. Right before I came on board, there were comments about how, even from their, or their own board members, about how they didn't want to use the word feminist mm. because that would scare off the corporations, uh-huh. or you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, can't possibly understand why, but uh, yeah, but they were hesitant to use that word, and so they would just use the word women all over their, mm. with, because you know everyone wants to fund the minorities, so you're, it's it's safe to use the yes. word woman. But yeah, what is it about the word feminist that's so scary? And <laughs> I, you know, I I wish I knew. Yeah. I wish I knew, and I wish yeah. I knew what it was about it that threatened certain yeah. people so much. But yeah, when we when I came on board, and um, the marketing director as well, Taylor Trowbridge, and Nazif Sahi is our incredible producer, and so we're all kind of younger generation, and, and we're using the word feminist. Yeah. We, we identify as feminists, yeah. and. So yeah, we've we've made it. We've implemented that language. Was there any pushback on, on implementing that language? 
Uh, not pushback, no. I mean, not from our, certainly not from our directors, okay, no. Good, good, um, good. And even the, the board as well just embraced it and mm. yeah, saw that it was important. Now that now that it is being talked about so much with Justin Trudeau, yeah. and, you know, saying how important feminism is, now we can start to talk about it. But it's funny that, that um, or not funny, that uh, there was ever a period of time where yeah. um, it was a word that somebody had to feel like they could not use. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. I think about a couple years ago, some people that I knew, they're quite young, talking about, and women, young women talking about how they don't need feminism. And I, I, kept, I kept wanting to, to take them and, and, and say, well, the fact that you vote, mm -hmm. the fact that you can have a job, the fact that all these things, this is feminism. Yeah. But, and I don't, somewhere along the line for some people, feminism as a word became... Oh, well, what did it become? Undesirable. It became a dirty word. It became... Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Dirty word, yeah. I mean, it's... There's the, there's extremists in everything, right? Yeah. Of course there. Yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah, but extreme feminists were doing it for a reason. And <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's... it's yeah, it, yeah, they were, yeah. you know? But... And I, I... It's just one of those things when I... When I I have my friends who uh, are very feminist online, and I can still see mm -hmm. them get attacked or, or things mm -hmm. like that for using the F word yeah. online. Wow. And, 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 you know, it's a thing that still happens. Yeah. You just got to... And I don't, I don't even know... I, I, do, I guess I don't understand the mindset yeah. that makes somebody attack that. No, I know. It's, it's, it really is hard to wrap your mind around that <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah like I say like it's not it's not our community it's, no yeah um it's not certainly not anybody listening to this podcast no <laughs> um and, and if it is go fuck yourself <laughs> I don't I don't so. I want to, if I can, if I can keep telling you about the season Absolutely. too. Absolutely, I want to so hear about the, the season. After the Devil Bill, we're opening the new year in 2017 in January with Unholy by Diane Flax, who's this amazing uh, lesbian writer who explores uh, what uh, explores misogyny in religion in, mm. in this piece in particular. But yeah, generally she's just an incredibly talented mm -hmm. comedian and writer. Uh, so yeah, really strong figure uh, for the queer community as well. So we're trying to reach out to them, and mm -hmm. it's at Buddies and Bad Times too. So that'll that'll be fantastic. Uh, it's a, it's a, actually a co-production with them. Mm -hmm. And then we're closing up the season with uh, Century Song, which Volcano Theater did last mm -hmm. year. That one too is going to be so so stunning and spectacular. It's a one-woman show as well by uh, Nima Bickerstep, uh, and she it's completely a cappella. There's no words, mm -hmm. no dialogue. And she's a soprano, and she's an incredibly talented singer. And yeah, she kind of goes through a century of women's lives, mm. black women in particular. And mm. Yeah, it's going to be just gorgeous. Do does Nightwood have a, a space that it performs in? No, we have. Uh, we only have our administrative office, and mm. so we rent out other venues. Is there a venue that is the most common one for you, or for Nightwood, or is it uh, whatever? This, yeah. yeah, it's when uh, it changes very mm. widely. But um, this season in particular, we're at Buddies for mm. three of our shows, okay. and then the Century Song is going to be at the new Crow's Theater. Oh, out yeah. in the in the East End, yeah, East End, brand yeah. brand new space. Nice, yeah, nice. I know, yeah, I think it's going to be really stunning. Yeah. 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 Um, what are you most looking for? Can you pick out one thing you're most looking for? Oh, to I can't choose. Season? They're like my children. I know they are, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask. <laughs> 
Um, I am really, really looking forward to seeing Mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. It was so highly acclaimed, and I was really bummed not to get the chance to see it last yeah. season. So I'm so, so excited that it's coming back. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Can and we... I've met those two ladies before, and they're really lovely. Nice. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, about publicity? For a second. Sure. Um, and because uh, you've done, you've been doing publicity for Sex T Rex for yeah. a little while. Yeah. And, and you know, you had some experience at the at the at the the Montreal Fringe. Is there something that that you think that people forget that they need to do in terms of publicity? I think. I think that direct direct communication, direct messaging, mm -hmm. or phone calls, or texting, or whatever, it has to be a direct ask. Mm -hmm. I think that when you do like a mass email of your press release, mm -hmm. who's gonna, like, there's no, nothing to say that they've read it or that they're gonna pay attention, but if you really say, hey Phil, are you coming to the show? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the most important, and, I, and this is of course for a smaller scale, like trying to fill yes. out the Bad, bad Dog Theater. Um, I haven't done publicity for anything no, kind yeah. of major scale, and I, I can't even. Ima I mean, I know I know that our, our you know our marketing director at Nightwood is uh, struggles with that same mm -hmm. thing. Like, how do you reach everyone in Toronto? Because everyone in Toronto should come and see our shows. It appeals to everybody. Mm -hmm. But how do you reach them? <laughs> um, and so yeah, I think I don't know. It's yeah, I think it's 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 just when you when you're thinking about something on a because I mean there. Are, I th I think that there are rules, that, like things that you can do on a small scale that, that m must work on a larger scale as well. But if you're thinking in terms of like promoting uh, sex T-Rex mm -hmm. at, uh, at the storefront, um, is there a way that you approached promoting sex T-Rex? Um, that one was interesting because, so actually this is Caitlin who like opened my eyes to this with their, their show Swordplay, for example. Mm -hmm. That's... It's a kind of a princess bride parody set in a 90s video game. So mm -hmm. you have so many different demographics you can reach out to. You can reach out to the video game nerds, mm -hmm. the film buffs, mm -hmm. you know, and not just people who just generally enjoy comedy or theater, mm -hmm. let alone, you know. Um, yeah, so when, when she was telling me about, like, yeah, write to Snakes and Lattes, see if we can get in their newsletter. Like, mm. that's such a big leap, but it makes yeah. so much sense. Mm -hmm. People who go and play board games or, you know, the nerds who go and play video games or who go and buy comics, they love, they love this yeah. show. Yeah. And, like, how do you, how do you get them to know about it, mm. to find out about that it's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just got to get them in the door. That is it. always the, the question, is, is how do you let people know that it's happening? Yeah. It's like I mean, outside of Fringe, and you know, I, like Fringe has has you know certain mm -hmm. things. First, first of all, there is a focus on theater during Fringe that sort of gives you an advantage, sort of a leg in the door for yes, some people. Exactly. Yeah. But outside of Fringe, yeah. how do you you need to find your audience yeah. and try to somehow get them into the into the building, and yeah. like, even to to have theater on their radar? Yeah, I mean, social media is my greatest tool for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, it's so so effective. And you can do, like, I can spend hours on Twitter just, like, prospecting. If I, like, <laughs> search a hashtag, and then that brings me to these people who are mm -hmm. talking about it. And, you know, and even just, like, looking through people's followers. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, yeah. that's a thing? Like, you know, there are, there are Twitter accounts for organizations as well, of course. Yeah. And, or movements, or, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's so much fun. It's yeah. <laughs> really, really, yeah, really exciting. I have, the, I have this idea, um, you know, last year, I've had this conversation. 
somebody else I was talking to had, was mentioning this, this, this conversation, was it last year, two years ago, where um, during the, uh, during one of the winter festivals, there was this conversation about, uh, again, basically, where's the audience and how do we get the mm. audience? Um, and it ended up being more of a, you know, everybody in the room sort of talking and like, instead of like having, I think it could have been moderated a little mm. better, but it is that conversation about like, well, how do we as indie theater artists, and you know, Lightwood I think is at a level where you could still, even though it's a professional women's uh, theater company, Oh yeah, there's, there's still, still grassroots marketing Part of me feels and has felt, at least since that conversation, that um, indie theater could learn, could pool our audiences. I've been thinking a lot lately about um, the the idea that there's audience enough for everyone, and that was something that that uh, uh, Cameron Moore mm. said when she did her, uh, you know, promoting your Fringe show at, ha at mm -hmm. the Montreal Fringe talk, was that there is audience enough for everyone, and I've that's sort of like something that I've been thinking about a lot. That that like is there? Well, <laughs> I well, always kind of see the same people at our shows, eh? I know, but I yeah. wonder. I some the idea that I, I sort of wonder about is, um, so you have your audience, and I have my audience. Yeah. And my audience doesn't know about your audience, yeah. but my audience would probably dig your, your mm -hmm. shows. So if we were, if I was to tell my audience about your show, and you were to tell your audience about my show, they are all just as likely to see our shows. Yeah. Because our shows are not breaking the bank. Our shows are not like going for mervish prices. Yeah. Our shows are affordable. Yeah. And so if if you know if if I was to tell my people about Cat Sandler's show and your show, mm -hmm. you're, like we were sort of to share our audience like that, that we could increase. Our, yeah. our audience yeah cross-promo is so important of definitely. course that's one of those because right now I think that we are very precious about our mm. our audiences like holding on to them this, this, this audience is mine oh really I, I, I don't know. know I'm all about cross-promo I love it yeah yeah I and we were talking about the relationship between development and marketing mm -hmm. and it's like just trying to reach out to people and thinking of who you can reach out to and whether it's like asking them for a donation or asking them to even just share your event on mm -hmm. their Facebook timeline, like that's so helpful mm -hmm. and yeah. it makes such a difference. Do, yeah. do, do, you, do you have the ability to see that that, 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 that has made a difference? Is like somebody sharing the event, does well, it actually increase the ticket sales? I do yeah. think so. And I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's all optics too, yeah. but, but that's important too. If you see lots of different people are talking about this mm -hmm. thing, whether or not we get the same amount of bums in seats, it, it makes us more successful in yeah. that they'll think about us for next time. You know, they'll have heard about us yeah. at least. The power, I think the power of social media is in, is in people talking about mm -hmm. things. And that becomes like, the more people will talk about a thing, the better off you're going to be because people are interested in what their friends are talking about. Mm -hmm. So maybe... Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you're such a good conversationalist. We've gone so far, and I haven't even talked to you about confabulation. Okay, what? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. Let's back up, and let's. Uh, so, what is confabulation? Confabulation is a live, all true monthly storytelling event. Okay. So it started off in Montreal, and it's got a really great fan base there, and they usually sell out. They're at Mainline once a month. Mm -hmm. uh, we brought it here to Toronto uh, in March. Mm -hmm. March was our first episode. 
uh, when one of the co-producers of Confabulation Montreal moved to Toronto as well. His name's Paula Flalo. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have Andrea Elaluf co-producing with us. Mm -hmm. She's the Associate Director of Communications at CanStage. Mm -hmm. So it's a great team, and yeah, we put out a call every month. Anybody can apply to tell a story, uh, and, and we just give them a theme. Uh, it's usually about like 10, 15 minutes. Sorry. So is it kind of like the moth? Is it like Yeah, that? similar, yeah. Okay. Yeah, similar I idea. I think Nisha Coleman. Yeah, she's like one, of the, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. one of the co-producers yeah. in Montreal. Mm. She was she was in town, and so she just was on our most recent edition at Burdock Music Hall. I didn't Toronto. even know she was back in town. Yeah. She talked to me, uh, uh, she was both before her show in Toronto yeah. and also uh, on the Fringe Roundups I did. Um, she was really, really great. She's amazing. Is yeah. that where you met her? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. in, an incredible storyteller. Did yeah. you see her Fringe show? I did not get I to see one of those. Like, the problem is that at the time that the Toronto Fringe was going on, I had to work my day job and rehearse my show. For yeah. Hamilton. So it was like I almost got to see virtually. Right. Happened. It was so hard. Did you come to see Wasteland? Oh my god, I can't believe you! No, It was like another one of those shows that I didn't get to see, but there were so many shows on my list that I Missed, could yeah. not see. Did you see anything? I saw a couple of shows. So, I saw some hits, I saw some misses. But yeah. I didn't, there were a bunch of shows that I wanted to see. I wanted to see uh, the show with Cat Sandler and Peter and Chris. Yeah. I saw the Peter and Chris show. Okay. Every year, Sarah and I... My girlfriend, we go, yeah. to, we go to Peter and Chris. Oh, yeah. If they're there, we're going to see them. Definitely. Um, so they were so much fun in the Cat Sandler show. But but you know what? To be totally honest mm -hmm. with you, and I'll never tell Cat this, but it, was, it wasn't my favorite of hers. Uh -huh. um, it was amazing because she's amazing. Of course, yeah. So, you know, the bar's very high. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, I saw a couple of shows that, that I did not enjoy, um, but... I mean, yeah. you always will. It's you, you always will. It is <laughs> yeah. There are a bunch of shows that I, I just, uh, you know, you couldn't get tickets for. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, and I had a media pass, and I still couldn't get tickets for. Yeah. It. So, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's so. There's all those shows that I didn't get to see. So, confabulation. Yeah. Um, the next edition is on. Uh, it's the first Wednesday of every month. First Wednesday of every month. And we're at Burdock Music Hall, which is a beautiful little venue at Dufferin and Bloor. Is there a website for confabulation? Absolutely, confabulation.ca. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can apply. Anybody, there, anybody can apply. Mm. There's a, we welcome first-time storytellers. The the way we set ourselves apart from this amazing and dense storytelling community mm -hmm. here in Toronto, because there are a lot of storytelling yeah. shows, um, we offer a little one-on-one -on -one workshop of your story mm. with one of our expert team storytellers. Oh, cool. Yeah, and everybody gets paid, too. Our, our storytellers get paid for their time. Oh. So, yeah, uh, we, it's very important for us to pay the artists. And mm. the next theme is, uh, it's called uh, Dedications, mm -hmm. song, uh, stories of music or songs and their stories or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's Dedications, and it's uh, the idea is that it's, it's a little bit different from your, the usual format in that the idea is that the storytellers will have to play a song first and mm -hmm. then explain what the song is about or where that mm -hmm. song came from. Or, mm -hmm. So we got some cool musicians lined up. We've got um, nice. Charlotte Cornfield is going to be on. She's the booking agent at the mm -hmm. Burdock, but she's also an incredibly talented artist. In nice. Her own right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, Confabulation as uh, sort of an import from, from Montreal. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be branching out to Victoria, BC, too. Victoria, BC. They wow. had their little pre-launch event as part of Victoria Fringe just mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And I think it went really well, and it cool. was really fun, and they're going to officially launch it very shortly. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're across Canada. <laughs> Great. Um, just trying to, like, what... <laughs> yeah, what, where do we go from like, here? Like, what a, 
because there because there's so many things that I, I I could talk to you about. Um, and oh, here's something in terms of in terms of like when I was talking with I think the last time I talked with 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 Sex T Rex, Caitlin mentioned that um, somehow. When you tweet something, people pay attention, and when she tweets something, they people like they lose followers. (laughs) So, what is your secret sauce to to Twitter? What is your? You know, she says that, and I I don't I can't figure it out either. I don't know I don't know what it is. Like I don't know why I love Twitter so much, and I I always feel a little bit like silly, even talking about it. Like it's kind of a vapid very new very fleeting mm. phenomenon right so it's not it's not gonna last but I don't know I gotta I, I, I gotta introduce you to uh, to my friend Adriana because she Twitter is like that's her profession yeah there, there are people right? who make careers yeah. out of social media yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I am very inspired by that mm. I think it's fantastic because you're using it such a strong tool that like yeah. so, you have so many eyes on it but I really don't know what so it is so you don't know what your secret sauce is you don't know what it <laughs> I is I mean I like I no, I don't know. I don't know where my <laughs> my secret is. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. Um, do you do you have like when you're going into looking at at uh, promoting a sex T-Rex show? Do you have a plan? Do you have like? A, God, no, a, I usually find out about the shows about a week in advance. Okay. Do you have a, do you create a strategy for how you want to promote it, or do you um, just sort of? Go by the skin of your teeth. Generally, but I do actually sometimes like schedule myself. Like if I know I have all these different things I want to plug mm-hmm. for the event, like like actually for for myself right now, I have kind of a schedule laid out of where I want the Sex Rex social media outlets to go over the mm-hmm. next few days because there's lots of different things going on and you can't just right. like I'm a fan of like making one long post with like all the details and kind of pinning it at mm-hmm. the top either on Facebook or Twitter, but so that if people go, the details are right there. Yes, yeah. And maybe that maybe that's my special sauce is that like every tweet kind of includes the information. So it's right. like even if you're just kind of quickly looking at it, you know right away. You don't have to go looking for the mm-hmm. link. So yeah. what are they talking about? You know, it's right there. You just click yeah. it. Um, you can buy your ticket right away. You know. Yeah. But if you have to do the research yourself, then you're not. They're, you're not going to get those. Well, you don't want you don't want people to put effort into buying your tickets. Exactly. You want exactly. to make, make it as easy as possible. Yeah. But yeah. So, but even even if I have like that big one long post with all the details of like we have five shows coming up in the next three weeks, mm-hmm. come see this, 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 and this. Yeah. You still have to like upkeep by blasting it out every single day, right? Right. So but I not will, in the same. Not in the same. The trick. No, like, exactly. Not in the same yeah. Way. You've got yeah. to find a different way yeah. to say the same. And thing. that's hard too because yeah. I don't. I don't like they're the funny ones, you know. <laughs> but it's like, how do you? I have to like come up with like funny way, you know. I'm I'm the voice of a of a comedy troupe, but I don't. I'm not very funny. <laughs> so like all their tweets and stuff are just like buy tickets now, you know, <laughs> rather than like I but want then, I want then, them to be. But then maybe maybe that's all they like. Yeah. As far as their that stuff goes, maybe that's just what they need. Yeah. Because and sometimes they're taking care of the funny on the on, exactly on, 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 on stage. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also sometimes by just making crazy bets with each other. Yeah. Because I've been noticing <laughs> that that they're that, uh, yeah. it it almost seems like uh, the Atlantic Fringe Festival has just been them 
making bets <laughs> with each other about stupid, stupid yeah. things, and then having to dress in a strange way. Yeah, afterwards that's the dice game uh, invented by Shane Adams Zach uh, of Zach Adams mm-hmm. frame. Yes, um, he's actually going to be moving here to Toronto uh, very shortly, oh, as soon as he's done the Vancouver Fringe. Because his partner is Thea Fitzjames, mm-hmm. who just did uh, Naked Ladies at Summerworks. I have been, I have been, uh, I've been watching his 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 exploits. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I love to follow along <laughs> and live vicariously through him. Uh, but yeah, he and he invented the dice game, which is just a very stupid bet. If you if I roll a four, you have to do this uh, kind of things. And uh-huh. so that's crazy. Oh, that's where a lot of I our would fun never. Comes I don't from. think I would ever bet <laughs> on anything like that. <laughs> Um, he's doing pretty like he's he's doing pretty well uh, with yeah. his, his show. Yeah, his new uh, show the... is called The Ballad of Frank Allen. It's based on a, a little mini series he wrote for Bloody Underrated, mm-hmm. which in, in turn was based on Al LaFrance, yes. of course, the founder of Bloody Underrated, who's what also think, currently in Halifax. But I saw that too. Yeah. What I think is what's hilarious to me is I think so I saw a screenshot of like a review. It was like Al France is this, and I was like, "Wait a second!" Yeah. But it was like a review of the show yeah. that he's doing, yeah. which is based on a real guy, but not a real guy. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny. Meta it's so like it's about Shane wrote a play about a man who lives in another man's beard. Yes, like yeah. he wrote like to to write it as a story on Bloody Underrated. You mm-hmm. know, it was funny in itself. Yeah, but then he turned it into a staged play yeah. that's unbelievable. Like yeah. I can't even fathom how he staged that yeah I, no. I can't I hope I hope I get to see it someday I hope Some so too but they, they were doing they haven't come this way with that no that and the, his co-star is Australian he's going back home oh. so we're not gonna get to see it here in Toronto well yeah fuck that guy. unless you, you you take his place I guess I, I would have to go to beard a lot longer I think. maybe just get out of no, yeah, we get just get out of France to come into it then, then it's like but Shane plays Frank Allen so uh-huh. Al LaFrance, Frank Allen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So Frank Allen is based on Al. Okay. Is that right? No, because no. I, 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 I no, think you're that, right. I think you're right because he lives in, in Al Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so confusing and better. So confusing. Um, did you ever? So uh, you've got a whole lot of things that you're working on. Yeah. Uh, right now. Um, <laughs> I have notes for myself. Just to be able to talk and, about them. So. Um, can you pick one of those things that's like the thing that you're looking forward to most? I can't. I can't. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, fair. I'm actually really bummed to be missing the next edition of Confabulation. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. But we actually have a fundraising event at night with that yeah. same night. So, you know, sometimes these things conflict. Um, yeah. And it's funny, like, it's, it's funny how my, my heart changes like almost day to day. Like <laughs> for one day, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking about confabulation, and I can't think about anything else. And that you know, but then something else will pop into my mind where oh, I should write this down about. And even that's, that's another thing when I'm on Twitter, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like I'll be, I'll be like taking notes like on from one account to say oh, I need to follow this person from that account because uh-huh. that's useful for them, you know? <laughs> I also actually, another thing I do is uh, I'm helping my pal Steve Schmiller, who's an incredibly, incredibly talented visual artist, mm-hmm. um, and he, he's the partner of Ingrid Hansen okay. at Snack Music, so he was actually in an incarnation of Snack Music, the original one. 
Um, and he's got a show coming up on October 20th. Mm -hmm. That's a series of his uh, illustrations that he does of fake ads. Okay. It's really funny. Like, he's super, super brilliant and very clever. And so he'll, he'll do a lot of funny, like, wordplay or, uh, just, or just nonsense where he'll have, like, a six-by-six-inch ad uh, for, like, horse shadows or uh, <laughs> chair bears. Like, if you want to keep your chair, you just put a chair bear. It's a chair bear. <laughs> so, they're, they're so lovely. Um, so, yeah, so I help him out with his mm. social media as well to try and get cool. eyes on him as well. Yeah. Mm. And that's, uh, yeah, and that's another thing. It's, like, the day before Mouthpiece and Quiver opening <laughs> is his opening exhibit. So. Everybody's trying to keep you really busy. Everyone yeah, definitely. Really busy. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it though. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, and you must you must be good at it because you keep like people keep asking you to help them with stuff. To yeah. Do it, so, but you know, you always get you get to a point. I don't know about you, but. I get to a point where, like, sometimes I'm like, why didn't I say yes to this again? Oh, you know, you know what? I'm going to admit, I'm going to tell you that one of the most difficult lessons that I ever learned was saying no. Yeah. Because I spent I a lot of time saying, like, I would say yes to everything. Yeah. And then I'd be in the middle of, of, of like, all of these things that I was doing, thinking I'm kind of miserable right now. Yeah. And learning that I had to start saying no to things. But I don't like saying no to things. I know. Nobody does. Nobody you know? does. And that's a lesson too when you're on the other side when you're trying to ask people for donations or yeah. for to come to your show like nobody likes to say no no you just have to ask yeah yeah, hmm. yeah. <laughs> well it's been great we're almost at, at, yeah, at the end of our time so yeah thank you so so much for thank, having me so I really appreciate it, it.